And good afternoon. Welcome during live. It is Monday today and it's not almost a Thursday, but it's definitely Monday, August 14th. <laughs> Welcome, Dave Benjaski. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm trying to stay cool, but I'm good. You, uh, how hot is it in, uh, in Louisiana? It's just been, a, it's been about 100 every day, 100% humidity, 120 yeah. heat index, 90 degrees at midnight. Yeah, it's great. Feeling good. <laughs> I, I mean, it feels the same in my air conditioned office here. It's uh, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not shabby. My San Diego is pretty hot too, but it's dry and miserable. So, anyway, I feel for you, my friend. You just got back from Rocky Grass, huh? About yeah, a few weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, how was it? It was great. Great to see everybody. Great to hear. You know, great music. It's always a good time out there. I still need to go there. It's supposed to be, uh, from what I understand, it's a, it's a beautiful setting as well. Yeah, yeah, it's. I definitely recommend it. And then they have the camp before a week before for everyone. You know, anybody that's interested in that, definitely, I'd recommend it. The Rocky Camp. Any any musical highlights? Just while we're on topic. This the one that I sticks with me is Sierra Hull's set was just killer. Watching, oh, yeah. I remember watch that, and it was really good. Yeah. Nice, nice. We'll find that. I'm sure it's online somewhere, so take a look. All right, let's jump on in. Uh, this week on Deering Life, we have none other than Mr. Graham Sharp. Uh, you probably already know Graham as a singer, songwriter, guitarist, and, of course, banjo player, best known for his work with the Steep Canyon Rangers. He's been on Deering Live before. Today, he's back, and we're going to be diving into ways to use the five-string banjo to support a song. Um, we're going to get it into the new album and a few other bits and pieces along the way. So without further ado, I think let's bring him in all the way from Asheville, Mr. Graham Sharp. How are ya? <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey, you're doing great. Excellent. Good to have you back. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me here. Only the best guests get invited back a second time. Wow, I thought, I thought I just must have blown it terribly the first time and just... Nah, well, actually, it turns out we, we had a spot. Here. We had, we had a last minute like emergency we need to fill the spot so we're like grandma do it let's get him in no nah, just joking nah. always absolutely welcome here and uh pleasure to see you again um but we're going to kick things off we're going to invite you to play a little ditty for us to to see in the show um right. and then uh we'll hand it over to young dave who's gonna take over proceedings from there cool all right yeah i'll do a song uh this is one that i wrote for uh, a friend of mine was doing a art installation like a um, a uh, it kind of a it was it was silver leafing it was an interior of a, of a chapel that they were refinishing and he did a big mural but on this silver leaf sort of paper and and um, asked me if I'd write some music to go along with it so it's like a full experience so um, I'll do this little tune I'll write for that I call it silver leaf chapel
All right. That was fantastic, Graham. Thanks. I really like it when uh, I'm a fan of hard driving, you know, banjo music, but uh, I really like it when you bring people bring the banjo to the other side and give it space and room to breathe like that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely not my natural inclination playing, you know, empty spaces is, yeah. is not always, not always the friend of the, of every banjo player. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's banjo players who have kind of come along recently. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, Yens comes to mind as yeah. a banjo player who really uses space beautifully, you know, definitely, definitely. How'd you, how'd you kind of go through composing that? Was it just real, not digging too deep in, but as did you kind of come up with a chord, some chord progressions, and then kind of connect some licks, kind of to fill it in. You kind know, um, I think it was. I think it was probably a, a couple different things, like converging, probably. So I remember one specifically being like, you know, I was just doing something out of just this sort of melodic banjo, blackberry blossom shape, but instead. You know, just I was like, well, just what if I just start on the on my on my index finger on my right hand and and and, and go up and down from there. there. So so it, that it's kind of just started not as an exercise, but just sort of you know. Just a way to just to play play around with the position, yeah, um, more or less. And then the other part of it was really just I don't know this. There was something about the sound of just these three notes next to each other. Mm-hmm. They're like just really. I don't know. I guess it's the unresolved sort of quality to it. It just seems like it asks a question or it like wants wants yeah. to go somewhere. Um, so I started, just started playing with that, you know. Um. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like a lot of things that, and I don't write many songs on the banjo, but I think they're all sort of a convergence of, of different things I'm working on that, that just kind of happened to fall in line um and that's a lot of how i write in general you know whether it's like you know mostly lyric songs but i mean they're almost all just sort of an accumulation rather than just a you know one lightning bolt sort of strike right right right, yeah well um let's see so the band there's been a lot of transition this this past year in the band and love to uh kind of maybe talk about it a little bit if you want to just tell everybody what happened you know what what changed and and how what's how's you know how the energy has changed with the band and sure yeah yeah so um i guess just you know kind of coming out of out of lockdown you know um i think everybody just sort of had a different reaction to to being away from what we've done for so long you know what we've done for 20 odd years um you know, everybody, when we finally got back and started working, um, I think it just dawned on Woody that he didn't want to be doing it anymore. Um, so, you know, the last thing, I mean, don't, don't take it wrong when I say this, but there's, there's plenty of jobs that you can do that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're going to 
and music shouldn't doesn't feels like it shouldn't be one of those you yeah. know what i mean like i've definitely worked plenty of jobs that like i wasn't excited about every day but you know if you're going to get up and leave home and for extended period of time and be up on stage like you know if you're not if you're not feeling it then there's then there's really no reason to be there and you're not there to get rich by any means so um so yeah i mean you know i totally understood where woody was was coming from and uh you know we and uh left it on left it on great terms and we're still still great friends um but you know just sort of left us with a few sort of ways to go with it um one of which was to just be a five-piece band. We were a six-piece, um, and we actually did a show in York, Pennsylvania. We did one show where Woody was coming, but he had he had contracted COVID, and okay. so we were we were already there. The show was going on, but he couldn't make it. So Mike Ashworth, our drummer, is just a phenomenal string player, and he plays everything. So he played guitar for a night. And uh, Barrett, the bass player, sang the majority of the lead. You know, I sang kind of the bits and pieces that I sing as well. And that felt really good. Um, but it also felt like it was maybe leaving something on the table that, that we've worked on and sort of right. um, and sort of a sound we've, we've built over the years that we didn't want to totally abandon. So we had gone through, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 people just doing uh, just iPhone auditions. So we'd send them three songs, say, hey, we'd had three songs picked out. We wanted to hear people sing, play on guitar, and said, just send us a iPhone version of you singing these tunes. And um, we had narrowed it down. We were down to about two or three people and felt like we had some great choices. And a local DJ here at WNCW in, in Asheville, or south of Asheville, recommended this fella Aaron Burdett to us that we've kind of known peripherally for a number of years um, but you know just sort of hadn't really crossed paths with with an awful lot and we right. reached out to him and just asked if he'd be interested in just sending in a, a tape or just sending in a recording and he sent these three songs in and I mean it was just like goosebumps it you know yeah. I mean it just like killed us to a man I mean to a point of like wow like this is this is this isn't, you know, we never wanted a, a kind of a, a like for like, you know, you're not going right. to replace Woody. And we didn't want somebody who was just going to try to do that, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, that seemed pointless, you know. I think you got to look at these as opportunities to to grow and to, yeah. and, to, and, and to be something new and different and, and, and hopefully better. Um, so I think, and then the other side of it was like, well, we also don't want to bring in somebody who is just going to be like, the new voice of the steep canyon rangers like and just right. have bring in somebody else who's going to be like the 100 percent like center gravity for the band because that it's feels a, weird yeah um so what it's ended up doing is sort of spreading everything out amongst the band both like on stage and in in, in the studio to where you know it's a it's a bit more democratic democratized I guess on, on stage a little bit I mean everybody that's it's you know people just well, the first thing they tell us is that there's just kind of a different dynamic on stage um, and that feels good you know I mean like you know Barrett our bass player he's he he valiantly stood in the back and played bass for a number of years while being a great singer so it was great to be able to 
you know, give him a chance to step forward and, and do what he does. Um, and obviously Aaron's a phenomenal singer as well. And um, it's been great because he's also brought sort of his catalog of songs. He's a great songwriter. So we've got sort of his catalog of tunes, you know. There was a time when we were, before we really knew Aaron, we put out a, a song or two and he kept on, there was this guy was like right in front of us in like the bluegrass charts, you know, and like this guy. And it's like, Aaron, I was like, yeah, I know his cousin. I used to give his cousins banjo lessons and like, I know him and like, but I don't really know him, but he lives right down the road in Saluda and he's always right ahead of us on these charts. So, um, but we, we, we managed to, to figure it out. You know, it's not the easiest thing for somebody like him too, who's in the middle of, you know, he's, he's my age. So he's, he's in the middle of his career has a lot of life going on. So it's a lot to ask somebody. Uh, to just pull up everything and and and, and be in, in the band, so that was a big commitment for him. So we're all, I think, um, sort of refocused a little bit and uh, just kind of loving loving what we're doing an awful lot. Yeah, it sounds like y'all took it in the right with the right um, energy. On you know, you mentioned a chance to grow, and and it probably gives us not like a better spark, but a, another source of like new energy to the to the whole group sure sure and i mean you know it also brings a sense of urgency you know like i mentioned like what it's like to have other jobs i mean when you have when this is your what you do to support your family like there's there's no op there's no options like you have to be really you have to be your best um or else you know you'll you'll be obsolete in a hurry so um it was a it was a great motivation to just sort of redouble i think everybody's focus and y'all have a y'all have a new record coming out uh, with the new lineup, right? We do. Yep, it's coming out. I think just a few weeks. Uh, September eighth, September 9th. It's called Morning Shift. Is the name of the record. Awesome. And there's a couple singles out. Deep End. I've listened to. Yep. Um, yeah, Deep End is one that Aaron wrote, and uh, it's got a great story to it. I don't know if you saw kind of his description of what it is, but uh, his what his. His first, his first show was with Steve Martin and Martin Short was at the, the amphitheater at Stanford in Palo Alto. Um, I forget the name of the, but it's that beautiful Hollywood Bowl. there. Well, the second one was the Hollywood Bowl. So his second and third shows were Hollywood Bowl, you know, with the LA Philharmonic behind us. So like, you gotta get everything just in the right spot, you know? Um, anyway, so I think maybe after the first night, we still had a night or two left doing it. We went to Jeff Babco, the piano players, house he invited everybody over for um a little grill out in the backyard there at his house and so we got over there and they, they have a little pool and at the, in the backyard and his wife uh songa opened the door and, and aaron was standing there and he introduced himself he said i'm here you know here for the here for the 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 pool party and she said oh you're the you're the guy who jumps in the deep end and you know three weeks later he came back he's like i got this song called deep end and you know um <laughs> good so it's neat like aaron's songs are, are really like i think direct and uh sort of like speak really to the, like the place where he is and where he comes from so he's i think he's become a nice foil to my writing which can be a little um i, I don't know i don't know what it is but it's a little it can be a little di- less direct i think um so it's been great to have another songwriter in the band um just to bring just to bring that other voice yeah and how much does this was the first the first show you're, you're saying right these big shows in california these were the yeah these were the first these were his first shows so how there. much 
Yeah, how much uh, um, rehearsing time did y'all have to get this all to, to get him fully up? Uh, we had a couple days before we got out there, and then we just had, you know, all day, you know, before the shows. Not a lot. It's not like you had two months to, to work. Not a lot. Work. And, like, he, he's got to get up there and sing them, you know. He's yeah. got to, you know, lead. He's got to lead the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and he did great. He did great, you know. He, awesome. I, I know he was nervous, but he didn't He didn't show it. <laughs> well, let's get in. We want to uh, uh, today t- dig into ways to uh, support or enhance a song on, on five-string banjo. You know, the banjo's so often... When we're learning three like bluegrass style, scrug style, where it's we learn these song, we learn like banjo tunes, you know. Sure. But we a lot of time it's forgotten, you know, how to really be a be a supporting actor, you know, play backup and and add something to it rather than just doing a, a chunk, you know, um, yeah. um So, um, what are some ways? And we were mentioning we were talking in the, you know, beforehand. You you went through your Scruggs book again and you th- saw some some things in there um, about yeah. the, uh, what's, what uh, Earl would do. What are some things that you do um, when, um, for, for, you know, especially in, let's talk about like instrumentation in the, in the Rangers yeah. um, where you have a drummer and there's, sure. a, there's a full band, you know, have, you have to uh, provide some other support to there. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's kind of, maybe I trace back a little bit to the way that I kind of had to learn to play when we were you know, playing with Steve, playing with Steve Martin, which right. is like, you know, you don't want to play, you don't want to just play rhythm like the mandolin's doing. Mm-hmm. You obviously don't want to just roll on top of another banjo, you know, playing yeah. the tune. Um, so what do you find that's like kind of in between there? And um, I think a lot of it for me is based on, I mean, I didn't like, study it per se as such but I think it's more like what like a piano would would sound like um, mm-hmm. playing through something so just kind of playing more like rhythmic chords and chord movements um, over things so uh, you know like there's a song on the on the album uh, called uh, Hominy Valley um, and it's just like Um, and you know I'm playing really like three finger chords So I mean, there's some a little bit of like rolling in there, but a uh-huh. lot of it's a lot of it's um, I cue off the drummer uh, uh-huh. and, and, and the mandolin uh, rhythm really hard uh, when we play. So um, I, I think we're all trying to sort of jive um, and sort of inform each other as we move through it. And my part of it, I think, is you know sort of having these sort of leading tones that that kind of move move the melody along um behind the singing right there so, are a couple of things in there it's like I, I know you have the, you talked about the rhythmic thing like you had a little rhythmic 
thing going on, like a boom, chink it, chink it, doom, chink it, Yep. Is that something you kind of kind of latch on to something that's a little bit, you know, a rep- you know pattern, a rhythmic pattern, maybe? Yeah, is sure. That- and I mean, I think a lot of it is just like a sort of a repeated sort of thumb uh-huh. uh, thing in a lot of places. Um, so. Um, so you know, so as you move it. Yeah, and did you also, just, it sounded like you stay off of the first string a little more than you would if you were playing like a break. You're playing more on the second, third, and fourth strings a little bit. Yeah, I, I, a lot of time I'll start kind of on those second strings just so just to give like the position somewhere to give you somewhere to move, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of keep, keep the same position. So you can sort of move through that. without having to, to slide around. You can keep that, the bass in the same spot, you know. Mm-hmm. What are some other, uh, is it different when you play, like the, the Rangers have a drummer, is it different when yeah. you play without a drummer or or even when it's like a smaller group, like it's just you supporting a, so- a an acoustic guitarist that's singing a song? Um, yeah, I mean, it is, but I mean, honestly, like I've, I've kind of done it this way for so long that, you know, unless it's like a real sort of bluegrass or country tune, um, you know, if we were to play that same song with just myself and guitar or something like that, well, I would play it um, in a pretty similar way. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I, I, you know, I don't... Um, have like a like a strictly bluegrass formulation of these of these same tunes yeah. you know so it just it just shifts from song to song like the song deep end you know is this just a straight ahead um bluegrass song and that one just i mean it's just a lot of a lot of rolling and a little bit of a little bit of chunking and a little bit of kind of up the neck uh, sort mm-hmm. of rolls and whatnot um which i which i love doing i mean that's still i think that's still my favorite way to play the banjo it's just just a full full drive um yeah it's mode. you know it, it it it's the it's the proven way you know yeah and it, you can really dig into the to the to the rhythm just like you know locking in there yeah but i mean you know we were talking like you mentioned talking beforehand and you know just i don't know in the last month or so going back i discovered this cool thing called youtube and um <laughs> You can go, and you can go there, and there is uh, videos. Yeah, there's videos of of, of Flatten Scruggs playing on the Grand Ole Opry show for hours at a time. Um, and the thing that really strikes me in that is just how much he leaned on sort of his closed position, how much he leaned on his rhythm. Like, I mean, his mm-hmm. his chunk, you know. And he had a he'd have a couple of different ones, you know. He'd have like a dead, just like a dead choke, um, just a. Um, which, um, and I mean, so like, uh, I don't know, what is it? Take this hammer, you know, you go back and listen to that on that, on that, uh, uh Carnegie hall, you know, um, you know, and it's, it, I mean, he's just like, it's just clicking back there. Mm-hmm. 
make this. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant, you know, with that guitar doing sort of that six white horses rhythm. Um, it just it jives so hard. Um, yeah. So so I think you know being open to all, all those techniques. But but what really struck me on it is just how much he is leaning in that. So when he does drop into a forward roll in an open position, I mean, it's just like it just it really smacks you. You know, he kind of. He, he, he really saves that 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 full wallop um in yeah, a lot it's like of places. stomping on an overdrive pedal or something for his lead yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's amazing um you know and there's and there, there's 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 plenty of places where he's playing you know a, a rolling backup but not as much as like a modern banjo player would at all um uh-huh. it, you know to a surprising it, it surprised me the, the degree to which um he was really primarily uh, a rhythm player there. Yeah, where do you think, I don't know exactly where, because most, if you see most modern bluegrass bands, the banjo player is rolling most of the time. Yeah. And the mandolin player, fiddle player is doing, is doing the, the backbeat there. And uh, yeah, I don't know where that kind of switched over, if it was like in J.D. Crow's bands or, or what. I don't, do you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, JD would do that do that same thing when they're singing, you know, it would they'd come right. time and sing the choruses and they'd sing a trio and I mean he'd either just be, you know, doing his um or he'd almost, or he'd be doing nothing. Um uh-huh. so sort of same sort of thing. I mean just saving the impact of that of that big of that big role. Um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I think of somebody, I mean, when I think of like bands that were really important to that modern sound or at least for me i think of like lonesome river band or somebody like that and i mean you know sammy sammy played rhythm he played great rhythm but it seems like he a lot of times he would do one of those rhythms it was like you know especially if a guitar was taking a break or something like that he'd just be like kind of clicking in the back behind Mm -hmm. um but uh you know, I mean, that modern sound, you know, one thing that was in, in, in that Earl book and I was just reading today, he was like, well, what you really don't want to be doing is be playing the melody and the register where the singer is or where the lead is, right. you know. So when you hear that sort of modern, I don't know, I think of like a modern banjo sort of backup, it really is leaning on that first string. It's like... So, I mean, that's, in a way, I mean, that's a very, I mean, that's a very rhythmic way of playing. You know, you're not, you're not actively like covering up anybody's melody on, uh-huh. on something like that. Um, or I don't know, I was just watching something the other day with like uh, the McCurries. I can't remember what song they were playing, you know, but like Rob would just be, it, it wasn't quite this simple, but it was close to it. it just like doing rolling in the background where it's like, you know which is it's i mean it's it's got its own sort of lope 
to yeah. it. You know, it's not just a constant buzz of notes. It, it's got its it's got a it swing swings, yeah, yeah, um, to it. So you know, I don't think it, it's a prerequisite. But but that being said, I mean, I, I think I think Rob McCurry probably plays those closed position stuff more than anybody. Um, you know, I think that's a real traditional part of his playing that is overlooked. Is he he plays that closed position stuff so well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. really fluidly. What are some other things that you might do in in, in you know more of a more of a less of a bluegrass and more of a you know sort of uh, I don't know you know general songwriter sort of sort yeah. Of um, well, I mean, a, a lot of things are, are like. Um, I'll just, uh, you know, in 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 where we are, the, the way our band works, I really try to like work those dynamics similar to what we were talking about. Um, to where uh, sometimes I won't even be playing in while the singer's singing, or I'll just be doing something um, really simple. You know, we got one song. It's like. Eh. singing to me let me and I'm doing almost nothing there you know while, while they're doing that I'm just doing a and then when it hits that four chord let me out of this town and then I'm open then I'm wide open let me um you know so so I'm like saving that that impact and right. letting the singer kind of have this moment in this space, um, and then and then trying to absolutely rule it with the banjo when I get a chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, that does, it definitely makes a bigger impact rather than you know like essentially playing on ten you know all the way. You you know you're turning you're, you're essentially turning it up and down. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, at that point, if you're doing that, if there's not any dynamic in your playing, then I mean. The sound man at some point just has to turn you down, you know, <laughs> right. and then you never get hurt, you know, to, to make anything make sense. They're going to have to turn you down. So I mean, that's part of that's part of it. Is just like you need. There's places where you do need to be heard, and there's places where you kind of don't need to be heard, mm -hmm. um, you know, or at least a lot less. So I think just kind of picking and choosing those moments based on like the strength of the banjo, like what it can do, like it can roll those parts really fast and make them really impactful but mm -hmm. it doesn't really need that so much over the singing or at least not in that part of the song yeah it sounds playing it's using your ears when you're playing so even if you're at a jam and it's not a worked out piece to you know, listen to the other people playing and find these spots yeah i mean you know the the, the best music definitely gets made when you're or for me it, it gets made when i'm listening more than I'm thinking about what I'm playing, I'm, I'm right. listening to, to the people around me. And that's, I mean, that's hard to do, right? I mean, you like work so hard on what you're doing and you have your thing put together that you want to execute really well. Um, but I think there, you can also really surprise yourself with, you know, once you're at a facility level, then you start listening and you start playing off other people. Then I think that's really where um, that element uh, a real real musicality comes in you know I mean I think the best players can can make the smallest smaller choices you know I've always, uh, uh, maybe it was something Bill Key talked about or maybe it was something even like 
with a writer or something like that, but just not having, you know, taken those stock phrases and paring them down to where you can react note by note rather than, you know, phrase by phrase and just keep, um, so, so you really are, you're reacting to what you hear rather than saying, this is a spot where I just go. Um, right. This is my time to use this lick, you know, it's at this section. Yeah, right. Which I mean, that's that's a big part of bluegrass. I mean, there's 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 plenty of places where I just want to hear that lick, but I mean, you know, uh, there's a good chance Earl will go instead. You know, and I feel like that's a moment where he's just kind of reacting to to some other part of the song. You know, when you're playing live, are there ways that you can you know when you can sometimes find yourself not listening to the band and listening to yourself too much to kind of get out of that and get back into um you know listening to the whole group do you ever find yourself where you're just like too much into yourself and then yeah and work on flipping that yeah that's a that's a that's a it's a it's a a hard place to be you know i mean like you start you start hearing all of yourself and all of you know kind of the flaws in what you're doing and, and and whatnot um yeah that's 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 a that's a hard it's a it's a hard it's a hard spot to be um you know i think um i think just just like just laying back you know what you're in in, in what you're doing and i mean you know it can be hard because there's sometimes when things aren't going exactly how you think they're supposed to go and like you want to push things in a certain direction whether you want to speed it up or slow it down or um something like that but uh i think i think just i think just trusting you know if you're in a place where you can trust the people around you um and what they're doing then then you've got you know that's that's half the battle but uh you know i i also find in times like that you know if you just go back to something very mundane in your playing and thinking mm-hmm. um you know even as mundane as like oh remember you talked about like straightening out your in your your ring finger a little bit or not getting it caught up under you know and like you know you're, you're talking about moving like half a millimeter or something like that but just just thinking about something kind of man, mundane like that rather than sort of thinking about oh is my part like getting heard or things mm-hmm. like that yeah well, do you want to play another tune? Sure. Um, yeah. Um, all right, I'll try. How about shucking the corn? That's as good as any. Yeah.
wasn't exactly how he played it on the Martha White, but <laughs> that was great. That's great. Something approaching it. <laughs> There's something about that, you know, traditional bluegrass when you're playing it well. There's just that there's this thing of just like the da 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 da. It's just like locked in, and you had it right there, like you where had it for a minute, yeah. But it's just, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh yeah, people are just playing the same tune, but it doesn't have that. It's like that machine gun's not going off in in time or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, note separation's a big part of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's for me. Like the right hand is. I mean, I, you know, I think that's the case for, for most banjo players that the right hand, I mean, I remember the first time I saw Earl play and he spent, you know, he spent half the show with his left hand on his hip <laughs> and it just blew my mind and like you did, nothing was missing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I'll practice. I mean, if I really want to, if I really want to torture myself, you know, I'll take a, a rag or a piece of paper or something like that and, and uh-huh. just, and just... You know, what's just, that role that you're doing right there? Because we can't see your hand. What were you doing? Oh, that was, uh, I mean, that was, uh, it's one of those four note rolls. So a thumb index, middle index. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, which, you know, I don't, I don't use a lot of the, those rolls, but they're such great tools. Um, you know, I think like, like Bela or somebody like that has such facility with yeah. that role. Um, Without getting fatigued. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and, and being able to play something square, you know, a four note roll. So, you know, either whether you're yep. leading with your index and going index, middle, index, thumb, um, or leading with your thumb. Um, those those rolls are, are so handy in so many situations. Like there's that great passage. Uh, in one of those Bela tunes off Drive, where it's like. You know, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's like that role used to perfect example. Um, so, I mean, yeah, a lot of times I'll, if I really want to torture myself and honestly I, it's not torture it's pretty fun um, it just 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 pick a roll and put a metronome on and put a towel or something or a piece of paper in there and just and just have no note and just have pure click on the strings and I mean nothing for me will kind of straighten out a right hand quicker than that yeah and do you do that with a metronome or, or something like that generally yeah I generally do it with a metronome uh, how much do you how much do you practice these days? Um, how often? Because you know, this style is such a technical style. If you take a few days yeah. off, no. I mean, I like I like a couple hours a day. If I can get more, I'd love it. You know, if I can do an hour a day, that's kind of maintenance. You know, um, is an hour. Um, maybe you get into two or three hours, and you're actually kind of putting together. You know, maybe something new, um, and, and getting to that point. Um, but you know, I, 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 it, it, it takes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm slow. I'm slow to warm up. You know, it takes me uh-huh. a minute. Um, I mean, there's times when I can just get out of the case at full speed, but I can't ever count on it. Um, yeah. So if we're so if we're playing a show, I want to be like at least starting to just play nice and easy an hour before the show. Um, okay. 
you know, that's even like having sound checked for whatever, an hour, or sometimes two hours. Like these days we do these long sound checks because we have this huge catalog that we're trying to get the band uh, up to speed on. So we can, we'll do these like super long sound checks and they're great. They're super fun. Um, but you also have to watch that your hand doesn't get fatigued because, um, I do find that, um, I I don't quite, I don't think I have quite the endurance that I I did when I was younger playing, but Uh I can really tell if I've, if I haven't been playing a lot, like the week leading up to some gigs and like endurance is one of the first things that, that sort of falls Mm -hmm. off for me. Totally. And, uh, are there, are there specific, like how, when you have just like an hour a day to practice, is there, do you lean more on like technical things or you lean on creative things or is there like a good mix of that or, or yeah. just remembering tunes sometimes just dusting off? Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like we play so few just like tunes, fiddle tunes in the band. I don't spend an awful lot of time um on on that on that part of it um so if i have an hour it's like well first i just want to get everything like flowing and and feeling good so you know that may, that may just be playing over some i mean there's 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 lots of times when i'll just just choose a just just take a roll and just sort of just just kind of work it around the neck and that role I was doing earlier, you know, if you want to play like Banks of Ohio, um, you know, just take a just take a simple roll like that and apply it to songs or um, mm-hmm. different sort of chord changes and stuff like that. Um, so I do I do a good bit of that. Um, just because, you know, a lot of the stuff in our show, you know, we don't do a lot of like 120 BPM bluegrass, you know. Right, we'll right. do like slower, like 80 or 90, and then we'll do like 150. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, I, I need to be able to just like... Um, you know, and, and, and do that and do that kind of thing cleanly. Um, so, you know, really, I think just keeping the right hand clean is a lot of it for me. Yeah. Are there other nights where, where the fast stuff just isn't really happening for you and <laughs> and you have like a fallback like trick to kind of get through it? Do you ever have those or, or if you kind of you have enough preparation time to like so the answer to the first part is yes and the answer to the second part is no (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean there's roles you can get around it you know if i need to be going and i can't do it you know i can always go um so yeah things things like that for sure um, kind of leaning on your thumb more or something. Yeah, yeah, lean on the thumb and maybe just try to take a few few notes out of it. Um, you know, I know, and I know kind of where my where my weaknesses are. You know, if I'm like if I'm not smooth, it's usually coming from my index finger. Yep. 
Um, that's just that's just that's just me and and, and how I go. I don't know if it's because like I've broken it a lot of times or what, but like that's kind of the last thing for me to like get up to speed is the index finger. Yeah. And what about you know, what about playing live? I mean, you're playing. Y'all travel with a sound man. I'm I'm assuming now, right? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you y'all have your sound pretty dialed in um, from show to show, but but is there um, times when you can't hear yourself, or because there's something going on, or you find yourself overplaying ways to get around that? Because um, just because you you think you can't, maybe you psychologically you think you can't hear yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's yeah. That 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 certainly happens. You know, even with like having everything right in your ears, you know, like, um, um, it definitely happens. Um, you know, and I think those are, those are times again, to just like focus, go like in your head, like focus on your, on your technique, um, Mm -hmm. and take it back. You know, I think a lot of times, um, really just working. Okay. Well, I'm just going to like keep my fingers as close to the strings here. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, do something as simple as, as that. Um, but uh, yeah, that can be it. Can be a hard sort of loop to to unspin yourself from because um, you know then you feel like. But paradoxically, like it, it seems like the moment you sort of let off the gas a little bit, as far as like um, how hard you're trying, you know, over trying or just overplaying, mm-hmm. then like it immediately solves your problems. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, it's it's such a it's such a head game at that point. Um, right that I think once you've, once you can kind of pull out of that flat spin, um, and really just get that tone right, then is then generally things can fix themselves. And I mean, it happens in a band. I mean, it happens individually and it happens to the whole band where we're like, everybody's overplaying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those moments, you know, those moments are hard and I think they're fewer and far between, um, you know, for us, these days just being more experienced but it, it definitely sure. definitely happens sure and is there are things that you look for in your in your sound check to listen for um so that you know what you want to hear like is there um you, you know do you have uh, i've heard some people will ask for sometimes monitors being off so you can hear hear coming through the front of the house right. um, a little bit is there a balance just because sometimes that sound is different than when you're going full on and it's and it's and it's going yeah i mean you know for me i mean i just i just really lean on my mix on like our rhythm section you know so uh-huh. if i'm here and if i'm here in the hi-hat and i'm here in the mandolin and i'm here in the bass then i know i can be pretty comfortable right um yeah. in there you know and, and 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 obviously having a sound man that we've worked with for a long time who sort of knows the sounds and and yeah. um you know i've traveled with a few different banjos just kind of based on like if we're flying or just i don't know from week to week i'll travel with a few and they and they react a little differently from each other they all sort of have their own sort of sounds so you know i just kind of i just kind of tweak them as far as what i hear in the ears and then just trust trust our trust our guy mm-hmm. out front I'd say I'd say his name a lot right now, and he's wonderful, but he's he's shy and doesn't want to be mentioned. So, um, but <laughs> I trust I trust I trust. And somebody could Google it if they wanted yes, to. <laughs> probably so. Probably so. 
Um, what's what's your live setup? For are you using a pickup? Are you playing through mics? Are you doing a a blend of that? No, it's strictly a pickup. Um, you know, I'd love to use a mic, but with like the drums, with the drums going yeah. that we have, it's just not an option. So I've got a I've got a rare earth in each banjo, and um, you know, unlike what they say in the rare earth booklet, but I think it's the way Yens told me he does it, you know, he puts that shim directly under the middle foot of the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the rare earth installation guide says to put it, you well, know, forward, a quarter yeah. inch up the, up the neck, um, towards the neck. But, uh, I put mine right under, um, and then I run them, I run them through a tone dexter is what it's okay. called. Yeah. I run a, I run a wireless. So I have a wireless pack like that strap here it goes in, goes through the tone dexter. And I mean, there, I've had remarkable success with it. Every, almost every time I hear it back, I'm like, that does not sound like a plugged in banjo to me. That sounds like a, that sounds like a real banjo. Um, so I've been thrilled with it. I know some people don't love them. And sometimes it seems like if a whole band is on them, they can sort of create this kind of weird, I don't know if it's a cancellation or it's just uh-huh. kind of a weird sizzle, like if the whole band is, is using Tone Dexters, but that's not the case um, for us, thankfully. But I've, I've been super happy with that combination of the Rare Earth and the and the Tone Dexter. And you don't have to stuff the banjos at all? You just, I don't just... stuff them at all, no. Okay. Uh, nope, and I keep my head, you know, the head's generally around a G for me. Um, yeah. Not like super tight, but it's not, you know, not... Stanley or even bluegrass tight, but um, also, you know, I think good enough to have a, a, a quick reaction on it. Yeah. And do you go through a DI too? The Tone Dexter is just, isn't a DI, it's just, it's just a. Uh, right. It? It's, it's well, a, it's like no, a. No, I mean, yeah. I, it's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I have my, I have my wireless pack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes to another thing over here. And then it, <laughs> but, then it, but then it goes, but then it goes into the tone dexter. And for those who don't know what a tone dexter does, it's like yeah. a modeling, it's like a modeling pedal. So say you were to say like, I know this banjo sounds great on an SM57. Like that's just like the perfect sound for this banjo. Well, you go and you plug in an FM, F, uh, SM57 to the tone dexter itself and play through it and then it creates this sort of sonic image of your banjo through that microphone so then when you take away the microphone and just plug your banjo in on that setting it will recreate the sound of the banjo as if it were coming through that microphone. Yeah. Um, and we've we've we fiddle with a ton of different microphones, and often it's like not the microphone that is your actual favorite is the one that sounds best on the tone dexter. Um, right. We've ended up using some weird microphones that have ended up being the finished product. Surprisingly, um, you know, um, but sometimes it's the the Neumann one eighty five that wins. But uh, yeah. but that's what it does. Um, so it's a it's a really cool it's a really cool product, um, and I actually use. The same thing on my a similar product on my electric banjo. So, um, you know, I think on this record we have coming out, I played the electric banjo on probably as many songs as I played the acoustic. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Were you going um, for a different sound or are we going for It's so different. Yeah. You weren't trying to make it sound like an acoustic banjo. You're trying to make it sound like you electric know, guitar. Electric yeah. guitar versus acoustic yeah. guitar. Yeah. And but I have a similar thing like that. It's called a Kemper profiler. Okay. Um, which is the same thing, except it has an online ecosystem where you can go and download sixteen hundred different versions of a Fender Deluxe amp, and right. th- different right. people have have loaded, you know, from their home right. onto there. Um, so yeah, similar similar thing that I use for that electric banjo as well. Cool. Well, that's all good information. Really good information on uh, um, on your live rig and, and everything. We're kind of getting up to the top of the hours. Uh, um, is there anything else you want you want to mention right now that we haven't gone over? Definitely, you know, everybody. September eighth, the the new album is coming out. So, yeah, find that um, everywhere. yeah, you know, and we're still doing still doing shows with 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 Steve Martin and, and Martin Short these days. So, um, you know, love getting to go play those all those great tunes with Steve. Um, you know, he's got such a wealth of fantastic. Um, songs so still doing a lot of that and um, yeah uh, I think we covered everything pretty well it seems like is Steve writing new tunes are y'all are y'all learned you know as as a group yeah all? he is I mean the pace is slowed you know yeah. I mean I mean he's he's been prolific for a number of years but um, the pace is the pace is slowed but I mean you know we play we've been playing live that that song the foggy morning breaking that he and Allison Brown just recorded and had such yep. a great recording of. Um, so we play that one live in the show, and you know, audiences love it. Uh, so yeah, he's still he's still got some hits in him, Very banjo good. hits, which are different from you know, regular <laughs> hits. Yeah. Well, this is fun. Um, I forgot to check the comments. Actually, I didn't. I had, Shoot, we actually have a number of questions here that I. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, could, so, we got time for one or two. Huh? If, you a, if you have a couple minutes, uh, yeah. let me run through these. Um, all right, here's one from Isabella to Mar- Maris. When you play with another banjo player like Steve Martin, how do you choose which part to play? I see you playing rhythm and solos on some songs as well. So, so greetings from Brazil. So we kind of went over this a little bit, but yeah. If we could just touch on it again. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some, there's some places where I play harmony, um, which is really fun to do on the banjo. Um, there's some places where I just don't play at all. And then there's some songs like a song like The Crow, which is such a great, like, uh, a solo tune that I'll play a full solo and take a break. Um, and, you know, it's helpful that a lot of times he's playing claw hammer, um, whereas I'm playing three, three finger. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a lot of places where a lot of songs where it's not completely redundant for a for him to take a claw hammer break and then i'll take a solo at some point um three finger style as well but um you know it's it's just kind of a a, a lot of trial and error i think it's fun like you know when if steve's you know he plays a lot in a double c position so you know if he's kind of up in here in this land with the C, I'll be down kind of in this land. So, I'm, you know, a lot of times I'm just trying to stay out of his sort of sonic range, yeah. um, usually on the lower side than the higher side of what he's doing. Here we have a, a question from Chad. Um, beautiful playing, Graham. Is that a Saratoga star with an 06 or Kruger tone ring? Uh, this is the Kruger tone ring. Yeah. There you go. 
man, it's great, man. This banjo. This banjo just barks. It really does. Yeah. And then uh, it's, um, Chad has another one about your the rhythm muting he was doing earlier, like Earl and JD. Is that muting with just the left hand or the right palm also? So I just do it with my left. I'm, I think, I mean, Earl has these techniques where he's using his thumb and stuff, you know, and I mean, he'll talk about, you know, even if he's doing sort of what I always played. Now, sometimes I will do it like if I'm doing this type of, you know, I'll, I'll mute these, these higher strings. But he was, he, the way he talks about doing it is like laying his thumb across those strings and doing that with these two fingers. Um, doing it with just doing it with these two fingers and doing a lot of muting with his thumb mm -hmm. and I've never I, I've never developed any technique for that so I think I think both left and right is it would, would be like a more Earl JD way but um, I haven't really developed much facility at, at, at using my right hand um, like I say beyond um, beyond just a few places if I know I'm going to be down here on these on these two strings or something like that. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll mute um, some of these top strings. And you know, on that electric banjo, I play slide some. And you know, on that thing, I need to do a lot of muting because it, the strings are so live because it's got a pickup. Um, but when I'm just playing those rhythms, I'm really just just muting by how I'm damping that left hand. Very cool. Well, let me get Jamie in here. Make sure he doesn't have anything. Uh... He wants to ask before we sign off, Jamie. Uh, that was great information, as always. We appreciate that. A um, lot of good feedback. Uh, Chad was also asking about your string gauges. If you said if it's not too much to ask, sure. Real quick. Yeah, these are, uh, um, I guess, a medium white, so nine point five, eleven, uh, thirteen, twenty, and then nine point five. Which for us, I think, is the vintage light set, Dave. I think is that right? I'd have to check that out. I think is a vintage light set. Shameless plug. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I had a question about the Dexter as well. Deering does make the best heads, by the way. Oh, thank you they very are, much. They are my favorite. They are my favorite of the of the heads. We like that. They're, they're very good heads. Me, if you could send me half a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> you change your head a lot? Uh, yearly. Okay. Yeah. 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 And we, we, I, we can hang out after this and I can... Uh, <laughs> I'll get you some, some heads. I was just stuff. kidding, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just real quick on the on the Tone Dexter. It, yep. Anyone who doesn't know, it's made by a company named Audio Sprockets. And there's a, if you go to the website for the Tone Dexter, there's a, there's a great demo on there with um, uh, Molly Tuttle, I think. Uh, oh, cool. Doing some stuff, which is pretty rad. But uh, when you talked about the mic and like testing different mics, are you? Uh, testing different mics in different venues, so you have to do it like each time and set it up and play with it, or are you kind of dialed in on a on a certain thing. Just really dialing it in in a certain thing. So I mean, yeah. you know, once you've captured it, so I'm, I'll just yeah. I'll just I'll just go in a room with, uh, I mean, I could be sitting here with with eight, you know, three or four or five or yeah. twenty different mics, however much time you have, and really just going, you know, starting in like. Let's mic it, you know, let's mic it down here first, which is mm. kind of the area I would generally mic my banjo. And let's yeah. just, let's try it here. Let's try it, let's try it everywhere. And, yeah. and really just see, see what, what it takes. Cause I mean, what, what, are, what I really like about the Tone Dexter and what I want out of it is to take that, 
you know, that pickupy sound that just doesn't have any air or, or breath in it. I really yeah. want to find that, and that's really what I what I want to program into the tone dexter because once it's in there, you can sort of uh, sweep through the sound so you can mm. adjust how much you're just getting your direct signal and how much you're adding of what it remembers right. from the mic sound. Um, that's cool. So you can adjust yeah. it once you're in there. So it's really just just getting that tone. Uh, you know, you really only need it to get it one time. I mean, you can adjust it infinitely, but um, yeah, if you just get it once, then it's it's programmed in there. I'm sure there's people sitting here going, "Well, why don't you just use a 57 or a Neumann right, right. in front of you on stage?" And obviously, the point sure. is that you can roam around. You're playing places like the Hollywood Bowl. You really don't want to be tied to anything, um, and you can probably have a pretty much wider selection of of, uh, of options at your disposal as well. I just wondered yeah. if it had to account for the fact that you're in the Hollywood Bowl versus maybe like a small hall or sure. a wood stage versus a you know outdoor stage or something like I mean, that. I would I would love to be playing into a microphone every night. Oh, really? you know, but having, having, having a drummer just like yeah. totally undoes that. But one thing it's done for my playing having a pickup is it's made me play so more dynamically because like mm. all those years with a mic you just get into the mic and you mm. get out of the mic you know yeah. so i mean you're controlling but when you have a pickup there's nowhere to go so i mean you're really having to make micro adjustments with your right hand as far as your levels so that that for me was the biggest adjustment of, of moving to a pickup because we don't awesome. use it you know we don't use boost pedals or anything like that i mean it's really I, um you, you really got to make it happen that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. You got uh, Nathan McEwen in the crowd today. Hey, Nathan. I know. That's awesome. That. What's up, Nathan? <laughs> What's going on, man? Yeah. Good to see you. Um, that was really, really good. Let's talk real quick. Where can people find you? I'm going to throw this up there. That looks about right. That's it. That's yeah. it. Grandshot.com, steepcanyon.com, and then uh, all of the social Steep Canyon Rangers. That's definitely your Instagram handle. I think that's also your Facebook, pretty much. Yes, yes. Tap in there. And Spotify and all the good stuff is where people can find, I assume, your music as well as uh, Steep Canyon's music, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, honestly, I made an album that only has one banjo song on it. So, yeah, the Steve Canyon music. stuff is more banjo. Yeah, it's still music. It, it's still it, music. It just, <laughs> say what you like. It's still music. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Dave, thank you as always. It's a pleasure. Uh, everyone at home and everyone who's going to watch this on the, on the repeat, uh, thanks again. And we'll see you next time. Graham, enjoy your evening. Uh, and good luck with the rest of the year. Good luck with the album launch. September 8th, he said. September 8th, yeah. Morning shift. Yeah. Morning shift. We're on it. We're on it. All right. Thanks All so right. much, guys. Have a wonderful evening, guys. Bye.